Have you ever encountered a hurdle with launching or growing your business? Listen, there are two things that run a business, the back end and your soft skills. I'm telling you right now, if these are in place, you'll lose clients and you'll lose money. Don't want that? Well, you're in the right place. Hey, I'm Dana. Hey, I'm Sarah. We're your hosts who are going to tell you how it is, give you tips and tricks, and even occasionally bring on a guest that care about supporting you grow your business organically and nurture authentic relationships. Are you ready? My name is Lainey Belcastro. I am the owner of LMB Digi Marketing, and it is an an email marketing automation and integration consulting business. And I have been in the marketing world since before technology existed. And then I got really into email marketing. I mean, really when it came out, I'm totally aging myself, but really when it came out in 2007 is when I started and worked for a bunch of uh, media companies in New York for a while and just kind of self-taught myself email marketing and learned some platforms from there and then moved to Atlanta in, gosh, I don't even know eight, nine years ago. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was working in technology companies and worked more with Pardot and Salesforce. Well, now it's called marketing cloud account engagement because they love to make the longest names ever. Um, and so I eventually just worked in these platforms so much that worked in these companies so much that I saw just so much more of a loophole where, you know, when you're working in a company, you have to kind of flow with the rules that are put in front of you. And then I saw so many clients need certain things from these email platforms. So I started to just kind of network around and started my business in 2015 when I saw the need for small to mid-sized companies really need to have someone come in and just show them that email marketing does not have to be so complicated. Um, it doesn't have to cost a million dollars and it really can grow the revenue of a company if it's done correctly. So that's really how I like to come in and serve my audience. I, I love that. I love all of that. <laughs> yeah, I just threw a, I just threw a lot at you guys. <laughs> no. So we were actually talking earlier today, Sarah and I specifically about like filling in the gaps and kind of where we want to direct the podcast. Mm -hmm. And because we were looking at the analytics of like our listeners. And when we first started, we really focused on just budding entrepreneurs and those like wanting to self-educate themselves, personal growth, professional growth, like that mindset. But right. when we were looking at the demographic, our age range is like in the, what was it, Sarah, like 40 to 50, like an old, yes. older than us, mm -hmm. which was funny to me because it was like, I would have never thought that. Yeah, But then it got me thinking that the in, everyone that's older than us, an older generation, is in a, from a community mindset or a work culture where it was, you just show up, you do your job, you go home, like you follow these base rules of whatever the company has put together. And then it wasn't built on community or collaboration completely. It was do your one part, don't stray from that, go home. Yeah, it was like so it's very interesting to hear how you took that 
and filled in the gap naturally. Yeah, I, I, I never had a good experience working. I mean, I, not never, I shouldn't say that. I did work for some really great companies, but I never had the experience where I had any flexibility in not only the work environment itself, but it was very uncommon for people to actually listen to people's ideas if you weren't in a certain position. So you were kind of trapped. And unless you job hopped, you really couldn't get ahead and voice your opinion. And, you know, especially being a woman, you you don't get listened to a lot in corporate America back in the day. So it was hard. And I just never, I always wanted my own business because I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So I always knew that was the end goal. I just didn't know what. And then this kind of just all happened. Like you said, it was pretty natural because this was a skill that I had. And I saw that there were a lot of big marketing agencies out there, but they were charging so much money and they were kind of forcing their clients into the platforms that they liked versus what is best for the company. So I kind of flipped it and I'm saying, you know, we need to pick platforms that are appropriate for the right companies. So if there's a small company and you're getting sold an enterprise product, that's not fair and they don't need that. So I try to come in and just be a supporter from the outside and it's been much easier and it's been much more flexible. And I feel like I'm actually helping people versus when I was working in an office job. Because like you said, my generation was told to basically come in, do your job, sit down and shut up. (laughs) So I was not, I was not okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like most of us are not. I think it's good to, to ask the people that you work with what they prefer, because it's not about you. It's about the people like your clients, your customers, that's who you're, who you're serving. So Mm -hmm. it's not about, you need to figure out what they want. Exactly. Yeah, that wasn't really a thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is. It's important because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are trying to run the company and they're the ones that are needing to understand what what goes on with their marketing. So they need to be, you need to be confident in what you're doing and you can't really serve your clients if you're not asking them where their strengths and weaknesses are. We want to make sure that again, they get what they are coming to you for. So I would like to hear, it's not like creativity was one that was, it seems like really stuck out to me with finding the, the gaps and filling them in. But as we head into a new year and a new wave of doing business, mm-hmm. um, what would you say are like the top three soft skills that an email marketer would need to be successful in their business? I think the first one is definitely to know how to segment the audience because I think a lot of people still are under the impression that they can, they need to have this huge, huge audience list in their system in order to be successful when really it's more of a less is more approach. Um, I think that if you have an audience, you need to really hone in on what those people's interests are, what they're doing on your website, what they're clicking on, just finding out what their activity is and building the segmentation list based off that activity. So that would be the first one because I don't think 
it's realistic to have such a large list anymore, especially with privacy settings. And that said, I think the next one would have to be, they need to change the way they're measuring success because open rates are out the window these days because of the privacy laws. Apple privacy has really skewed a lot of the open metrics on email. So the best practice is really shifting towards actionable clicks in an email versus who just opened one. I still think that the open rate is worth glancing at, but I would not base any success off of that stat. That's interesting because I on, I was looking at my own newsletter today because um, mm-hmm. I was adding people's information that I had met at networking events and things that I've done mm-hmm. coffee chats with. And I was looking at my open rate only. I didn't look at anything else. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to fine tune that. <laughs> no, a lot of people still do. I don't think a lot of people know that it's a bit skewed now, but probably I think it I think it might have happened a couple of years ago where Apple released a new feature where you can basically opt out of being cookied on your phone. So oh. the open rates are very, very skewed. So, I mean, you should look at them, but they could be either really, really abnormally high or they could be really, really low. But I would look at the clicks for the most part. And Okay. Yeah, so change that up. Well, I'm already learning so much. So everyone See, else is taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know. Yeah. What's privacy. your last one? The last one I think is that people are really starting to get more into using AI, as we all see with chat GPT, of course. People are really starting to use that for just content creation to use in their emails. So I mean, writers for emails, chances are they really don't even have to write them anymore. They can just go to Chep GPT or um, copy, what's the other one? Copy IO, I think. But yeah, you can literally use AI to write, unfortunately, better content. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't say just stick with what it spits out. You definitely want to tweak it so that it has your voice, but I think a lot of companies are definitely going to start using that. I just actually talked to a client today who told me that they used um, ChatGPT to write descriptions for some of their products on their website, and it was already getting higher click rates. So that, I know, that is scary, but really interesting to me. I've been starting to use it a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, AI is awesome and it'll definitely save some time, but I do think that you still need to do a lot of wordsmithing and tweaking because at the end of the day, you still need your email marketing to be your voice or the company's voice. You're still talking to a human being on the other side of that email who is going to know if something is a robot or not. (laughs) Yes. Chat GPT is everywhere it's- I, I didn't I heard anything about it but a client of mine mm-hmm. he is in um website design and some like logo design and stuff but he was using it for his social media because it wasn't a service i provided him yeah and he was giving me like a real lot like a live walkthrough of it and i was like this is so interesting I- I tried to get on there and I'm on the wait list. I'm so upset oh, I know. just so I can like play around with a new toy. 
I know exactly. <laughs> well, you'll be super addicted <laughs> once you get in there. Plan two, like you said, is really important to reiterate of Mm-hmm. Yes, it takes the overwhelm of creating the content, but you definitely want to like wordsmith or tweak it to where it still sounds like you and you're yeah. not losing yourself in the tech. Yeah, exactly. I think it's good for people who have a tough time to get started writing an email or writing a blog or something like that. I think it's really, really helpful for writer's block. So, I mean, I used it a couple of days ago just to see if I could write a blog just for myself. I was like, let me just see what this is like. And I was starting to write it and I was like, oh, I'm just going to see, like I got stuck. I was like, I'm just going to go and use ChatGPT and see what it comes out with. And it saved me like an hour of my time because it just spit out information that gave me other ideas to just continue writing. So I think it's good to use as a framework and to get started on something, I don't think I would say, oh, just go and use whatever it spits out and put it on your website. I don't think I would do that. (laughs) I was playing around with it and I think it would be, and I actually read an article on it as well as instead of using Google for Mm -hmm. research, you can use ChatGPT for research. So it goes both ways. It's, it's pretty interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, I saw that too. And I was like, man, I wish I had this when I was in college. <laughs> right? <laughs> papers would have been so easy. <laughs> oh, true words have never been said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely cheating, but it would have been really helpful to have. <laughs> Using that segue of like writer's block and content creation, I know the first From my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but like with sending emails and like newsletters or any sort of marketing sequence, the first thing that clients or potential customers see is your subject and then that like little bit of like a first few sentences after the subject line. How do you recommend or suggest creating the subject lines to like persuade Mm -hmm. people to open them and continue reading. Yeah. And that's always the hardest part. Um, because you always want to say like, there's a free something in here, or, I mean, I don't, I hope people aren't still doing that, but they are. Cause I get the emails too. Um, I feel like personalizing the subject line is key and, Also, just make sure it's relevant to what's actually in the email, because I'm sure you guys have noticed this too, but I'm sure we have all seen emails where the subject says, oh, I talked to you the other day. I want to hear more. But then in the inside, it's a total sales pitch and it's ridiculous. So I think the subject needs to match the content because for some reason, I see a lot of that not happening. Um, I do think it should be personalized. So put, you know, a lot of the platforms now have the ability to put merge tags um, in the subject line so that it'll have your first name in there, or it could have another piece of content about you that's specific to just you. So I think keeping that subject line personalized and also very short is going to get a higher response rate versus something very generic, like, it's nice to meet you. I don't know, something like that. (laughs) 
or like you're invited to this event, which always works. But I would just adding in that first name just shows that you're trying to be personalized and building that relationship. And then for the pre-header, which is that couple lines that you see in your inbox, that just gives you the opportunity to explain what's in the email even more. So I think the most important thing is to just be very honest with what you're sending and put a short description of that in the pre-header because people want to know that they're not getting scammed. So if that subject line in that pre-header is transparent, then they're going to trust you more and they're going to open your emails more and they're going to click on your emails more. So I think that's probably the most important way to approach the subject line. It's hard because you don't want it to be too long, but you always feel like you have a lot to say. But at the end of the day, people are scrolling so quickly and just want something to the point and simple to know if it's worth opening or not. Um, I had a question as well, um, because obviously, like I get different emails in my inbox as well. Is the design important or as far as like there's some that are just text based, some are just some pictures Mm -hmm. and a little bit of text. Right. So I don't know if that's like a hit or miss for people when they open emails. I don't think it's hit or miss. I think it depends on who you're sending it to. So if it's people that you know, or they have received email communication from you in the past, I think text can work very well. You do still have to have a little bit of, I don't want to use the word design, but formatting rather to make sure it's still aligned the right way when it hits the inbox because you can do a straight text email but it could still show up in your inbox as perfectly centered and you didn't think it was going to be centered or it just doesn't look like a personal email but I think text can work very well as long as you know or the audience knows you Um, if you're sending marketing emails or just trying to engage with people who you haven't really spoken with before, they're probably going to read that and just think it's a spam email. So if they don't know you, I would say take the time to send more of a marketing style email. When I say that, I don't mean like a newsletter. I just mean have your logo at the top and explain that you know that you don't really know each other that well, but here's why we're sending you this email. Just so they can get more familiar with your brand if they don't know who you are and you're just sending straight text, they're going to just think it's junk. Yeah, we don't want people to think it's junk. But. No, <laughs> but I get a lot of emails. I mean, I've been getting so many more actually, too, that are straight texts from people who are just sales pitching to me. And I do look at them because I'm like, oh, wait, did I talk to them? I can't remember. So I do look at them. But then the moment I realize that they're just sales pitching me and I've never subscribed to their email list, I've never heard from them in my entire life, I immediately mark them as spam. So that's right. kind of a risk that you run. But if you have a good list, who knows you already, and they opted in, I think you're good. For our audience that is listening and everyone inside of our Facebook group, um, mm-hmm. How can we get in contact with you if anyone has a question after the show? What's the best? Like, what are your socials? What's your preferred method of communication? All of those fun things. Yeah. So um, you can go to my website. It's lmbdigimarketing.com. It's just my initials, digimarketing. Tried to be cute. 
And <laughs> there is a link to reach out to me there to set up an intro call. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Lainey Belcastro. And that's usually where I am the most. So I would say from all the social platforms, that's where you should reach out to me.